0: Okay, and uh, welcome to our listeners out there. We've got a a fun program today. We're going to be talking about 1970 TV shows. And this might actually be a couple episodes. Myself being born in 1977, most of these shows that I'm familiar with, but I saw them through reruns. So, Coach, I'm going to be kind of relying on you because you remember these shows as they actually air. Uh, So... Let's start with one of your favorites. What would be one of your okay. favorite
1: shows Well, there's a lot to choose from here. Um, one of the biggest, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite, but one of the ones with the most impact has to be MASH. So you're coming from a movie. This is what? Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, Robert Duvall, I think, is in it. Um, about the sort of, it's kind of a catch 22. I don't mean the. It shows a Catch-22. It's, it's like the, the novel Catch-22, the, the absurdity of war. And of course, MASH is set in the Korean War, but it's quite clearly a commentary on the war, the Vietnam War, with which it overlapped. Um, funny, but with a lot of social commentary. Right. And some of the things we talked about prior to our, our talking today was what things were done in these 70s shows that either would be problematic today or just wouldn't get done, period. And in MASH, I think you start with the Klinger stuff. Those of you who don't remember, Corporal Klinger was just like a staff, he's like a staff corporal, but he very much didn't want to be part of the war, so he wanted to be out on a, I wanna say section eight, but I know that's also government housing. So I might have the wrong, I might have the wrong thing, or they might have just made it up. I might have just made it up. I don't even know if that's a real thing. He wanted to be out because he was crazy. Jamie Farr. Um, He wanted to leave the army because he was insane. So he he dressed like a woman. But he took it to extremes like Carmen Miranda woman. Like, you know, headdress and, and the whole bit. Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt. But that's all he did. He didn't actually act as if he were in drag. He just dressed as a woman, and continued his duties as per normal, I guess. And the, the joke, such as it is, was that he would deliver in a straight face and a male voice something like, oh, I've got to run in my stockings or something. So there really wasn't a joke per se. There was no, no structure of a joke. It was just, isn't it funny to see this man in a woman's clothing? That's really not, <laughs> I don't know what you could do with that today in mash um hawkeye is hard to dislike because he's like the groucho Marx of the korean war (laughs) he's just out there with one-liners i mean obviously no human being could be anywhere near this witty as he was and he was sort of the moral center of the show and he was a kind of a vaguely conscientious objector and he kind of did his thing with uh the uh his superiors by needling him and just pointing out the absurdity of the war. So I I might say him I might you say know, him. You know what I didn't know was that the song oh thaw yes thaw, actually had words. Right. right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't it's the, an odd choice for an airplane song. Suicide is Painless. Yes, but then you, you were, were telling me oh, yes. It, with the it In the movie, right. In the movie, uh, there's a dentist. They don't actually have any of them in the TV show, but obviously at a surgical hospital, one of your guys is going to be a dentist. And his uh, nickname in the movie was Painless. But he had a crisis. It's probably not... Probably not a good idea to identify what his crisis was on the air here. It was uh, sexual in nature. And he overreacted to his crisis and wanted to kill himself. So he sought the help of Hawkeye and um, BJ, how do I do it? And they decided that he should take a black capsule, but in reality it was just a sleeping pill. And they had a, a singer sing Suicide is Painless at his ceremony, he had like a death ceremony. He thinks he's gonna die, and they do a thing where they set up like the Last Supper. It's kind of funny, um, but they're trying to they're trying to make him better. They're trying to help him. They're just doing it in a really strange way. So yeah, it's a suicide is painless, and it's kind of a poignant little song. It is. Well, I mean, I know that. Hmm. Yeah, and then they just play the instrument right. No, it's not an up. I mean, in the in the context of the movie, it's funny because the song is such a depressing downer. But you realize there's no suicide happening here. Like, this is all for nothing. They're just knocking him out. Oh, in context? It's really sad. Yes. Yeah. No. Well, MASH ran, what, 11 seasons? It ran longer than the war itself. Yeah. Something like that and it had a spin off after MASH that didn't go anywhere yeah no didn't work at all yeah they t- that would have been what mid 80s or even maybe even late 80s yeah and it didn't it absolutely didn't work they like followed them after they're all you know sent home what are their lives like like uh there's barely laughs in the korean war there's none in <laughs> readjusting to life <laughs> Yes, all in the family, another absolute classic. Fantastic balancing act by every member of the cast, Carol O'Connor. I mean, that you have to use the phrase lovable lovable bigot. That's really an oxymoron, but he did it with Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker was the guy you knew. You know this dude, or your dad did, right? And my for me it would I would have been my dad knows this guy. The guy lives over there or he works with my dad at school. He's any guy. Um And Edith there was a Edith was far more layered character than they were p- portrayed her as because she had that high voice, the squeaky voice. But no, that was a classic and it spawned her spinoff, right? It spawned her Jefferson spinoff. I, I, I did like Jeffers. Yeah I liked was, uh, like that Now that was oh the stiff arm, yeah, So you know what I miss about you talked about the the theme song to mash. What I miss about those shows, their theme songs were little mini stories in and of themselves. I mean, the Jefferson's theme song, it tells the story of the show. This is what, and it keeps just going through the lyrics about this is what's going this is the setup. This is what happened to us. the 70s and the 80s, one of the best things about the shows was the theme Yeah. And they were crafted carefully. I mean, Mary Tyler Moore theme song, Wandering Through the Streets of Minneapolis, throws her little beret into the sky at the right moment, and you're going to make it after all. I mean, these are, the, the one, though, that you talk about Guilty Pleasure the other day, the one that I had for Guilty Pleasure because of its theme song, when you, when you actually break the theme song down, it's terrible. But for some reason it got us going every time was the theme song to The Love Boat. But it's just set a course for adventure. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> your mind on a new romance. <laughs> uh, yes. Right, Vic Tayback. Yeah, he just. But they'd be big in the '70s. Right. So me, as a kid, because half the time they were guys who were sort of in the twilight of their career. Sid Caesar. You know, <laughs> as a as a kid, I'm like, I feel like I should know who that is. So Milton Burl playing a washed-up comic, you know, <laughs> with a huge bow tie. Um, we like that because at the time we didn't see Isaac the bartender as tokenism, when he clearly was. He does that weird two guns salute to the camera. He's fixing the drinks, and he just does the cool, hey, the cool salute. And the Bernie Coppell was the, the ship's doctor, who was just an absolute lothario. He was. He was like Captain Steubing trying to keep it all keep it all under control. He went didn't he run for Congress? I think the guy who played Gopher went into Congress later. Um, so Love Boat and then Fantasy Island. Oh, I actually liked Fantasy Island. Oh, how did you get smooth, Mr. Rourke, smoothest guy. And we always try to understand, so what exactly does he got going? Like, is he like a devil? Like, what is this guy? Yeah, he has... It, seen yes, right. Hervé Villachez. Yes, I, in, the, in the bell tower. A <laughs> like, why? You know, like, I I uh, like, right. To to no, he's actually that tall. His job on the island was to spot the incoming plane. And say it from the bell tower and then come running down. In later episodes, they had those weird cars that were sort of combination cars and like tour buses. And they gave Hervé Village as a small one, like a toy, like a little bitty version of the Rourke car. So, yeah, I don't think that's no! <laughs> but Fantasy Island Love Boat, and there was, there was one after the other Love Boat followed by Fantasy Island. So two hours of solid. A Mary Tyler Moore? I know what you're going to say. Ted Knight. It's Ted Baxter.
0: Come on, Lou.
1: Just the low. Oh, yes. Ted Baxter. So that's why in Anchorman, who is largely based on Ted Baxter, his little dog is named Baxter because of that. Because Ted Baxter, if you haven't seen it, it will take you 10 seconds to realize, okay, so that's Anchorman. Ted Baxter is the sort of slow-witted Generally, generally well-meaning, but not always. Um, mm-hmm. Really vain anchor of this sort of nothing Minneapolis news program. But um, it just his delivery is similar to Caddyshack with like, low, that baritone. Come
0: on, Lou, let me do
1: it, Lou. And then and there's a connection between that and Love Boat because same actor played, Captain Stubing played Murray Slaughter, the writer, the same guy. So there you go, there's your connection between I don't, I don't remember which came first. I think Mary Tyler Moore must have come first. Betty White was on Mary Tyler Moore as a sort of oversexed. She had like a TV show where she was like a, like a cook, like a chef, a cooking show. Um, so there's, these are all iconic, right? Mary Tyler Moore, cause it's the first time a, a female lead like held the show. And you know, she was, it was Mary Ty was Laura Petrie on the old Dick Van Dyke show. And they just loved her so much. Here we go. MASH, you've got a comedy about the Korean War. So you had shows about non funny things. There's nothing really inherently funny about the Korean War that were made very funny. Yeah. You've you mentioned it several times I, I've never seen it. Mm. Not one episode but you speak very highly of it that's the TV show. Oh yeah, Soap is I say it's unique because it's a it's a pastiche on soap operas themselves. So you take every cliche you can think of about a soap opera and throw them all in in the same episode. Like amnesia, infidelity, alien abduction, just throw it all in in the and they were 30 minutes. So you just rapid fire and we have a lot of people got their start there. Billy Crystal, he's a he's a principal. He's a principal character in this, and it both was absurd. It was absolutely absurd to the point of early in the epi- early in the season. I think it was the second episode. One of the main characters' sons is introduced. He's a ventriloquist. His name his name is Bob, and. Um, Jay, I'd have to look it up, okay. it's, and, his, and he's got his vent figure. So they're Bob and Chuck, or Chuck and Bob, depending on how you want to say it. He's really, and he's good at it. He's extremely good at it, to where um, Bob is the vent figure and Chuck is the human operator. Chuck is a mild-mannered, meek kind of person and Bob is just mean. So it's clearly a way for the meek guy to get his meanness out through the vent figure. But over and over and over they repeat the joke that people speak to Bob as if he's his own entity. Bob, how could you say that? You know, not telling Chuck, you are controlling him. They do a thing with a magic act. He wants to introduce a new magic act into his act. So they blindfold Bob the vent figure. The vent figure has a blindfold on it. And they That's say, cool. right, hold up, hold up an apple in front of him. Hold up something. And Bob pretends to try and imagine what it is. He, he names it. And the idiot cast members, this is amazing. We've got a gold mine here. And only the sensible characters realize, no, the, he can see it. The, the human controlling the vent figure can see it. That's how absurd this thing got. And yet it also tackled serious issues. Billy Crystal plays uh, a gay character who initially in the run of the series is really not done well because they make him gay and flamboyant and they make him uh, transvestite as if those things are the same. It, and it's just not well done. But once they get through the rough patch, for reasons that are connected to the plot, he um, he has a child with a woman and he the woman runs off so he has custody of the child. And the show gets into, this would be difficult in the late 70s for a gay man to have custody of his own child. So it's like, it gets serious, it gets heavy. But it's it only runs four, ser- four seasons but it is brilliantly funny. They talk about, I mean, I'll say it out loud here. They have a, a a set piece on female orgasm, but they never use those words. The women describe what is clear, that's clearly what they're describing. Yeah, yeah, but they treat it like seriously, like these women are frustrated that they're not experiencing what they know they can. That's pretty heavy for a 1970s sitcom. And that spins off Benson. If you know Benson, there's your spinoff. So we have these. And now Soap is kind of a family sitcom, but kind of not. So it was about families, but not really. Not like some of our other ones that were definitely about families. Brady Bunch, for example. Clearly a family sitcom. Uh, Sherwood Schwartz, you know, Creation tic tac toe board yeah yeah yes right alice as far as i know never earns a paycheck <laughs> yep so, was was I wrong, or was that one of the first shows that actually had the husband and wife in the same bed? Uh, that would be the, Munsters. the Munsters did that? Okay. Because I know Lucy didn't. I love yeah, Lucy didn't. Oh, yeah.
0: Back
1: on a episodes, Florence Anderson and... Yeah. So Robert... Oh, Robert Reed? Reed? was, a, And I. what I particularly liked about the show was how much... And of course, they're never going to discuss this. Greg was the oldest, right? right? He was a carbon copy of his father. He, he was had the same perm, same look. Like, this guy was... He's going to have some issues. Some like that. like you, he, he Walter, That's right, a, yes. And they did what Sherwood Sherwood Schwartz was the producer of that. He did a lot of stuff. He did Gilligan's Island and so on, where they had so many set things, like establishing shot, outside house, establishing shot, kitchen, you know, Alice working in kitchen, Jan comes in. Like, there were all these set pieces. So the audience was never shocked by (laughs) what was going on. We're always going to know what's happening. And Marsha comes in, slams her books down and sighs. And Alice is wiping down. The, it was always a set piece. I just, domestic. And she was working. She was never idle. You never saw Alice. <laughs> why, why do you need a domestic? What, what do you need Alice for? That's right, the butcher, Sam the butcher. But it wasn't like Alice gave fundamentally different advice than <laughs> what what passed for sassy in this white suburban community. Yeah, this is what because sh- this is this is the low class street logic <laughs> that they did. But even shows like Brady Bunch started to fade, and they needed something, some new blood. Yeah. Oh really? I see. Oh, you know what I think I do remember yeah. that. I wonder why. I wonder why they would bother just Oh, okay. Well, they succeeded in the older one. Holy cow. But the then we have to talk about the issue brady bunch issue take over oh yes right there's only so many there's only so many soccer tryouts and proms No good. Sorry. Sorry whoever actor it was not your fault. You know. He's done some other things. Oh really? I don't think but, uh, we, done a lot of those like retrospectives. retrospectives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh my goodness. Yeah, that is clearly I don't know if this really applies to it, but that term jumping the shark okay. where where something has gone over, something has done something that is sort of irrecoverable. That takes us to the show where it actually happened. That's right. Not people. I don't think a lot of people know. Like you said, it's an actual thing. You want to describe it? What's the actual thing? <laughs> 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 and the, the California guy challenges Fonsi to see who's got the courage to jump over the shark. Right. And so Fonsi's out there in his in leathers, his yep.
0: With a, a life vest that just goes around his waist like a fanny pack. And the uh, California guy bells out
1: at not our Fonsi. That's right. He lands it. Start. And it's at that point that the show changes. So that's where that That's it's an actual expression, ladies and gentlemen. Right. It's funny because Happy Days survived a previous edition in Mork. Yeah. Mork from Mork didn't kill it somehow. And that's outlandish. That's bizarre. Yeah. They had and they had some subtractions, right. didn't they? Happy Days had some subtractions. Yep. He was in the, he was only in a right. And they replaced uh they changed the owner of the diner, right? That was to Pat Marita or from Pat Marita? He Miyagi, yeah. Right, right, right. So, and then Happy Days was a good one. Um, it it clearly had run out of ideas, and they just kept pumping them out. With they they said some back characters, you know, Joni and Chachi, that whole thing. That's a whole different deal. Yep. Laverne and Shirley, which was a good spinoff. That was a good spinoff. Because it really was disconnected from Happy Days. It wasn't... Well, there was it Lenny and Squiggy were the yeah. two other... Michael McKeon, I think, was one of them. Spinal Tap. Yeah. So um, you have... These are all the iconic 70s, although actually we haven't mentioned another iconic one that... People kind of forget that's WKRP in Cincinnati. Right. That is just another brilliant sitcom. And here we are again with this sort of innocuous setting. It's a radio station. You know, love boat. It's a cruise ship. Um, uh, Mary Tallymore, it's a, it's a news program in Minneapolis. Do you think a simple concept like that would resonate today? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the last real simple concept that has worked well. Yeah, I mean, Cheers, it's a bar. Because that's perfect. People come in, people come out. You have regulars, you have non-regulars, and so on. Apparently, Cheers, we're getting off the 70s thing, but that's okay. Cheers was apparently a, a like an homage, or was a, it was a reference to a British sitcom called Faulty Towers. But they decided not, that was set in a hotel, Same concept. People come in, people leave, and you have regulars. They just switched it to, you know what, the hotel doesn't work quite as well for us. Let's go bar. They were originally going to use Fred Dreyer as Sam Malone and make him a football player. But when they cast Ted Danson, they said, yeah, your body type's a little more baseball. So let's switch you over to that. But again, it's it's simple. It's a bar with funny people. It's a news program. There you go. There you go. It's an apartment, yeah. And they didn't even really lean into the conceit that the only reason the landlord's letting them rent, actually it was more of a house, wasn't it? Like a duplex, whatever it was. The For whatever reason, that was just never explained, the only reason they're allowing this rental to happen to, with two women and a man is if the man's gay. I mean, it doesn't. the, the premise doesn't hold up under any kind of scrutiny whatsoever. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's just go with it. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yes. And it was the only fine dining establishment within like three hundred miles, because they never went anywhere else. Yep. You had you had some uh, what was it? Two's a crowd. Was that the one? Three's a crowd. Right. The Ropers, oh man, that's, I mean, they're really, really stretching for spinoffs there because they were really minor characters. There's a whole other class of these 70s sitcoms we didn't really touch. We mentioned briefly that All in the Family spun off to the Jeffersons, but that brings you also to like Sanford and Son. Or uh what's happening, what or good times, so there's a whole whole another group, oh yeah, I still remember the credits for what's happening. those three guys walking on the pavement and they trip over a seam in the pavement and they that same theme song um what was uh it's oh good times, I watched good Times, John Amos just commanding the room everything he did. And Jimmy Walker, that was where you started noticing, you know, there's not much to Jimmy Walker's character other than his catchphrase. They're going to just work it in. How many times can he say dynamite? And you could see it coming like like an airplane landing. Like, okay, here comes. He's setting it up. He's setting it up. Like three or four sentences worth. Like someone would ask him, so what do you think about the new plumbing? Do you want to know what I think? All right, here it comes. Here, just say it. So Jimmy Walker just got stuck in that role. I don't know what else he's ever done. <laughs> dino Um, And then, you know, Sanford and Son, they were kind of stuck on the heart attack. He was always having a heart attack. Here's a big one! Just staggering around the set, holding his chest. So that's a whole different, you know, category of sitcoms chico the man is in there and you wonder if for like all those shows are they the spiritual beginnings of the cosby show or is the cosby show more of a you know family ties except with a different race like which which way did it build that might be a little too big for this particular thing green acres there's another 70s sitcom i didn't get into that one but a, a simple concept. This is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. Right. Right. Because you you didn't. It was. I think this is a lot of the reason why. I I, I want to be very generous to current generations of young people when people complain, all you guys do is watch TV. Well, look how much of it there is. You know, if I'm coming home, what's on? Oh, it's one day at a time. Yeah, I'm not, I don't care what this maintenance guy is up to. Like, he's going to be crude again. Love (laughs) Love America, oh my God, do I remember that. So that's, we're not even in 30-minute sitcoms because it was like three of them. It was like eight minute (laughs) little vignettes that as a kid, oh my God. I remember watching them and getting maybe 10% of what was happening. Seeing going, I don't understand even the conflict here. Like what what is the problem? (laughs) As a a whatever, what was I, nine? Going, I'm not seeing the problem in this. But it was, and they were punchy. So you knew, well, a joke just happened because the way they delivered it and everything I can't remember if they were a live studio audience or not oh and they used that heart with the yeah it was very fanfare there was like fireworks (laughs) love Americans there's one you don't redo because what what is there what is it eight minute vignettes they were essentially, you know what they were? They were like vaudeville jokes done, done on TV. Um, like like the Traveling Salesman joke as a sitcom. Well, it's only got eight minutes of it. There's no more to do. So like, get that, because with the kids' TikTok, we can just do, just Love American style, like 30-second mini-dramas. Just, just unbelievably bite-sized. Partridge Family. There's another family drama. There's a credit sequence, little animated partridges. you ever see the no, credit that sequence, that and um yeah. very yeah. aggressively sixties yeah. aggressively sixties though, just or man, nah, I guess that was seventies, wasn't it, but they yeah they were they were still hanging on to their sort of sixties ish wow. uniform, whatever weird von trap thing they had going on. Vaguely, it's like, what would, if the Von Trapp kids were alive now, what would they be like? Be like this. Rock and roll. That's all I could. well, that's, and that's a very loose interpretation of rock and roll. Partridge family, I, that's, more, I, that's as rock and roll as the Brady Bunch was when they did their rock and roll thing. But what I didn't know is that the Partridge family was originally. Going to be the couchers, oh, okay. On a Parch Valley? Yeah. Uh, cool. But they wanted to hire her and not the Kelsos
0: mom who used to sing with them. They were The Kelsos were like the great, sorry, the partner's family. You know, the mom would play, they had the little sister, they were all one big family, and they wouldn't take it because they wanted
1: their their mom. Okay. Not this but yeah, the it was Shirley really Jones. Really Jones. Jones. I couldn't. Couldn't come up with Jones, either one of us. This is only 70s. If you, we start talking about the 80s, we have a lot more family thing. We have growing pains and silver spoons, which I remember. But I think that's for another time. So that's... Because now we're starting to get a little bit more into what you might have seen. So maybe next time we'll look at the 80s, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Latchkey Files. If you'd like to experience more from us, you can find Sean O'Brien's science fiction books on Amazon, Nook, Audible, and most other book and audiobook retailers. You can also go to his website at SeanO'Brianauthor.com. And if you're looking to get in better shape, both physically and mentally, check out Chris Varner's lifestyle and fitness YouTube channel called Just a Dad Bod.